Hello there, welcome to Kingdom of the Longos. Today we're going to be talking about Treasure and the Prodigal Son in a program called Treasure of the Prodigal Son. We're going to be talking about the hidden treasure of Forest Finn, which has been discovered after a decade of many people searching for this treasure. And now we're also going to be having a Bible study where we examine the ring that is given to the Prodigal Son, which is certainly a treasure in and of itself, in Luke chapter 15, verse 22. And all of this takes us to a place where we learn that there is an important lesson on forgiveness and how God loves forgiveness. And the burden of forgiveness is very interesting when you look at Christianity, how Christ purchased something for us that we couldn't get for ourselves, but yet its yoke is easy. And also the devil hates forgiveness and reconciliation. So we're going to be talking about all that and more. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there are two that's with me here in the studio. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And Pastor Amanda, would you open us up in prayer today? Of course. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for all your blessings and the many gifts that you have bestowed upon your people. And this gift of time and space where we can come and gather and draw closer to you and have a good conversation. So we pray that you'd be with all of us who are here and all of those who are listening. May everything we do be for the upbuilding of your kingdom. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And before we get into our more serious conversations, because as Kingdom of the Logos, our podcast unfold, things get a little bit more serious. First, we have to dive deep into unholiness today, <laughs> where we talk about the interesting thing going, things going on in the world where we find some joy. So we're going to be doing buy, sell, or hold. But before we get to buy, sell, or hold, we have some video buy, sell, or hold. And we're just going to ask, throw this out there. And those of you listening, send us your thoughts, questions, or comments. If you buy it, you agree with it. If you sell it, you disagree. And you only get one hold per episode. So number one on unholiness today, this pug asking for help to get out of the bath. All right. So we're going to play that one more time. Buy, sell, or hold this pug asking for help to get out of the bath. And he's snorting too. All right. What do we think? Amanda, are you buying that pug? Yes, that poor baby. And he can't even breathe right. Like, just pugs in general are bred not to be able to breathe correctly. And that's so sad. It is. Let me put a caveat here. Okay. Buying means you let the pug out of the bag. Oh, uh, gosh. As someone who's not its owner, then yes, I'll still buy. Okay. Mike? <laughs> I'll have to sell. You got a, a dog's got to have a bath every now and then. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm selling. <laughs> Bubba, you can you can ask for help, but you're getting that bath. All right, number two on unholiness today. This ripped dog. Look how buff this dog is. Are we buying, selling this? Hold this dog. No caveats. Just, just buy, buy, sell, or hold him. Yeah, he needs love too. <laughs> yeah. So Amanda, I'll buy. You'll buy. I buy. I mean, he signed him up for WWE. Yeah. I, I love him. Yeah. Big buy. All right. Next up, this dog here, this German Shepherd in a dress as a bridesmaid. And we'll play that again real quick for you. This dog is having a great time. Are we buying, selling, or holding this dog as the best bridesmaid Wait. ever? Oh, I'd buy that. Like, buy that? I, I would never have done that at my own wedding, but I enjoy watching it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's having a great time. Mike? I'm going to sell. I think there can be something better. Uh, although what is wrong with it's you? All, it's, it's close, but I'm going to go with the, I'm going to sell. Oh, I'm totally buying this. Um, buy, sell, or hold. Is this dog the happiest person at the wedding? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Mike? That, that's a hands-down buy. Okay, yeah, I'm buying that as well. All right, next up we've got, in Yellowstone Park, there was a massive 
bison stampede that came down on the road. And we're going to have a buy and sell or hold on this. Buy means you sit there. Sell means you turn around in your car and you get out of Dodge. Buy. You're already in a vehicle. You don't want to make more of a ruckus. Just be still, be calm, and hope it passes you by. All right. Mike? Where was it at? Yellowstone, Yellowstone. Park. Yellowstone Park. If I am in a rental car... <laughs> I pull in the middle of it, okay. so it's a it's a it's a sale, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I pull right in the middle because I got the insurance. Okay. And um, for me, I'm selling. Um, I just bought another car that's a small car. My cars aren't terribly big, whether it be the Z4 or the Mini. No, I'm getting out of there. All right. Our last my sale hold dog video is. Nope, that's the wrong one. Just this dog right here, happy with his alligator toy. Are we buy, selling, or holding this dog? Buy. That dog's so happy. His little, his little oh, bottom man. can't keep up with his tail. He's yeah. cute. Look at his eyes. I mean, he's just smiling, and you can just see the smile. Yeah, you got to buy that. There's such a smile on that dog. It's amazing. He's happy. He's so happy. That is the joy unspeakable and filled <laughs> with glory. You can't speak. Because you've got a toy in your mouth. <laughs> just so happy. That's that's just great. Mike, are you buy, selling, or holding oh, a that buy dog? with no doubt. Yeah, buy with no doubt. And and, and there, there's something there. He is. This dog is so happy to be with the person that is recording this. It's oh, like, look yeah. at this toy. Come and play with me. Oh yeah, yeah that dog is that happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love that. All right. For some other quick propositions, we've got 10 real quick we'll go okay. through. These are just ideas that we throw out there and buy, sell, or hold with them. Number one, a steak at home is better than a steak out at a restaurant. Depends on who has to clean the kitchen. <laughs> okay. So is that a hold or a uh, sell? Because you know you I'm don't have to. Oh, yeah. I don't want to use my, my hold so quickly. I'm going to sell. Okay. Mike? I'm going to buy, especially if Dylan's cooking the steak. I mean, he can, he can make us or Derek. Either one of them, they can make a steak. It's just great. Um, I'll buy that, too. Not because I, I, I'm going to think that I cook good steaks. I'm not sure that that's true. But um, I, I like eating steak at home with the family. That's It always has good memories there. Yeah. All right. So number two, the story of Goliath's sword. So the story of David and Goliath. The story of Goliath's sword and how it ends back up in David's hands. Because if you go through the story of King David, he ends up back with David's sword once again. And presumably, this is the sword he uses to cut Saul's uh, cloth. Um, so there's a real history around this, a real biblical truth. That would make a worthwhile movie, the story of Goliath's sword. And that's true even if the liber if there were liberties taken to fill in the gaps, because we don't know a lot about this story. Yeah. But if they made a movie about it and they held appropriately respectful to the biblical themes, it would be a great movie. Indiana Jones movie. and Goliath's sword. I can, I'll, I'll watch that movie. Yeah. Bye. Like, yeah, and, and going with the theme of today with the treasure hunt, I mean, I think you can do the hunt for the sword, Goliath's sword. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'll buy that. All right. And we've got a lot about David, but we'll get to them in a second. Next one, um, Amazon packages are better when you forget what you ordered. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sell that because it's disappointing when it's not what you thought it was. Okay. Right. I'm going to buy because... This happens uh, occasionally for me, and it's like, I couldn't have picked this out better myself. It's just great. <laughs> and, and, you know, I did pick I it did. out. I, I, you know, so I, I'm going to buy. Yeah, and I'll buy that as well. Um, number four, 
David and Jonathan's friendship was like dogs who naturally get along well with one another, where Peter and Paul's friendship was like a dog and cat who were made to get along by their master. <laughs> I'll buy that. I'll buy. All righty. <laughs> Physical great. libraries. So, in other words, a real mm. place that you can go to that keeps books, keeps records. Physical libraries are more likely to endure in our culture than physical schools. Yes, because uh, libraries will have really actually existed probably longer than the traditional sense of the public school and, and will we'll probably outlive it. And also because they provide other community services to people of all ages. That's true. So I'm going to buy that. I'll buy. I thought that one would be more contentious than it was. Yeah. I'll buy it too. Um, number six, frozen Reese's are better than fried Oreos. Yes. Bye. That's kind of like asking which ice cream is best. I, I'm just going to say I'm I'm going to buy, but maybe not by far. Um, but I, I'm going to burn my hold on that because I just need to try them both. <laughs> okay. I'm, well, I'm burning well, you my can hold. sell on that because if you think it's an unfair question, you can just say sell. It's stupid. You know, I'm not going to sell because this this is a challenge for me to try. <laughs> um, notice I didn't put fried Snickers in there because that's what mm. really sits on top. No. All right, no, no, number I have seven. to sell on that. Yeah, yeah. Y'all don't like fried Snickers? No. I'd, I've never had a fried Snickers, but Ooh. no. Have you tried deep fried cheesecake? Uh, I no. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's really good. I have been, I have, I have been sheltered in this world. I am naive <laughs> to all the goodies. Haven't been to a state fair recently. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> Which is. We'll, we'll buy, sell, or hold state fairs later. Um, next on our list, someone being either Saul, David, or a person close to them kept Saul's robe that was cut by David until the day they died. So in other words, hmm. you get the whole story where David goes in there and he cuts the edge off the robe. Somebody, whether it be Saul or David, somebody kept either that whole robe or a piece of it until the day they died. That's not something you would throw away, whether you hate it or love it. What that would think? that would make sense, yeah. I'd buy it. The theory. I'll buy that. You buy that. All right. David himself would have preferred that Michelangelo made a statue of Goliath <laughs> to complement the statue made of him. I know this is a little bit of a character <laughs> assessment of David that he wants that statue of Goliath just for the comparison. I'm gonna hold. <laughs> Can't just. Mike, I'm I'm going to buy only if it brings glory to God. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, yeah, it, I mean the whole story of yeah, yeah, David because it's not. It, it, I think it points to something that says this could have not happened. Yeah. Once you see the two here, unless yeah. it, unless God inter, intervenes. Sure. Yeah, I think Absolutely. it brings glory to God. So yes, yeah. I'll buy. Okay. All right. Next up, we have. Serving in David's palace would have shown you more drama than a TV adaptation of life in David's palace. Oh, yeah, definitely. Real life is always weirder than anything we could come up with. That's true. That's true. Mm. I can't burn my whole... I've already burned my whole... So I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to sell. Are you kidding me? You've seen what is recorded. Imagine the stuff that's not... Not recorded. Things That's like true. Uh, yeah, I'll buy. I'll buy. You, you, you swayed me the other way. All right. And the last one for today on Buy, Sell, or Hold, the pug 
that you saw asking for help in that bath. If David were in the situation, he would have no pity on a pug asking to get out of a bath. In other words, he'd <laughs> bathe it. No pity at all. Oh, yeah. He was a shepherd. I think he would have known the hard things to do to keep an animal clean and healthy. So I'd buy that. Dad? Yeah, I'll I'll buy. All righty, y'all. Well, what I about hope- you? Oh, yeah, I'm totally buying. Yeah, absolutely buying. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our buy, sell, or hold segment there in Unholiness Today. We'll be back here in a moment to talk about the treasure of Forest Finn and the great mystery that's surrounded by that and the great adventure that people have gone on. So we'll be back here in a moment. Thank you for being with us. Alrighty. We're here at Kingdom of the Logos, and we aspire to be greater than a bad segment of the 700 Club. And today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more serious, but also has a little bit of unchained vinegar in the story. So, recently, there was a discovery made in the Rocky Mountains. We don't know exactly where, but someone found the hidden treasure of Forest Finn. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Forest Finn, it is one that is really, really fascinating. So, in 2010, or perhaps late 2009, but somewhere between 2009 and 2010, Forrest Finn, he hid a treasure in the Rocky Mountains that was worth about $1 million. Now, the treasure, it consisted of gold coins, precious gems like emeralds, and it had valuable relics and antiques. And all of this was hidden in a 12th century bronze box. Now, Finn, he made public clues in his writings, both a memoir, he had some books that he published, And these clues were put in there to help people find this treasure. Now, Finn himself, who you see here pictured, he's pictured here with the treasure box. Um, So this isn't the guy who found it. This is actually the guy who hid it here in the picture. Forrest Finn, he wanted to encourage people to get out and to kind of slow down and get away from the distractions of the world. And he hid this in 2010. He had cancer. He didn't expect to really live for a long time. So he was expecting someone to find this after he was gone. Um, However, he is still alive. He's 89 years old now, and he has confirmed that someone found this treasure. Now, the identity of the treasure hunter who found it has been concealed, and Forrest Finn has said all along that there were two things he would allow the finder to have. If they wanted their name concealed and where they found the treasure, he would keep those things a secret, and the finder has requested those things, so their identity and the location of the treasure is still concealed. So, Forrest Finn, he's a really interesting guy. He was a Vietnam vet and a pilot, and he opened up a museum of relics. And he had an emphasis on Native American culture, but his museum was not limited to that subject. And really, when he hid the treasure, he said, I wanted to get the kids away from their electronic gadgets and out into the sunshine, out into the mountains, hiking, fishing, picnicking, and anything but the couch. And... He recently he made a statement saying, I congratulate the thousands of people who participated in the search and hope that they will continue to be drawn to the promise of other discoveries. Now, there have been five people who have died looking for this. There have been people who have brought out lawsuits saying, you know, we were robbed of the treasure. People have tried to sue him for the amount of the treasure. All kinds of um, things have happened trying to to build some controversy around this. But nonetheless, Forrest Finn, he, he has held in himself pretty upright. 
And it's just a really, really interesting thing. So I'm just going to open this up to have a conversation about this. It's really an aspirational thing. You know, there is real meaning in this. There's real treasure, real value, real danger. Um, it's just a really, really interesting thing. So let's just have a conversation about this. I'll open this up. Amanda, you got any thoughts on it all? Um, well, I, I think, yeah, there is something about this that's really exciting. Um, and I think all of us, especially when we were kids, were like, man, wouldn't it be cool to go on a real treasure hunt? Oh, yeah. But then to think of and then put that into reality is quite also very scary because, like you said, that people um, lost lots of money they invested in trying to search for it. People, Some people quit their jobs. And, of course, yeah. a couple people actually lost their lives. And so Including there's something. a pastor. There's yeah. a pastor who died looking for this. And so, I mean, this is something that, um, although it's a very, a very exciting idea to actually then have the time and the patience and the equipment and resources to actually go do it, it can be quite a daunting task. Yeah, it's this was not meant to be completed in a day. Again, he expected this treasure hunt to outlive him. Mike, your thoughts on this? Well, I, I like the the fact that it is aspirational. Yeah, uh, it not. And it, it is sad, and, you know, there's never been an intention for anyone to lose their life. And he was, a, you know, an elderly man when, when he uh, hid this treasure. And so people went to extreme places and things. And, you know, he's always said, you know, it's, it's somewhere that I could go and hide. I did it, you know. And so I think the aspiration of getting people off the couch and experiencing God's creation is tremendous and I think it's somewhat of a legacy to say there is something out there that I want people to experience and whether you find the treasure or not you you are experiencing the beauty of of a treasure that God has given us already and it's it's not at the couch but it's out in the great outdoors yeah there definitely was this sentiment that was there all along that he says I want people to get out I want them to get away from the electronic gadgets and it's an interesting dichotomy if he wants people to slow down but also speed up. In other words, get away from the fast-paced internet life but also get out and do some athletic things. I mean, go out and do some adventurous things. Go pursue world. We are mortals. We have so much time here. Go out and do great and beautiful things. And there really is something really fascinating about that. You know, I think, too, you know, that he has – he did this in a way that, you know, he didn't make any money off this, even though he, he wrote books and he left clues. I don't think this was ever an attempt to, to make money. Again, I think once he received oh, no. the, the the news that he, you know, probably had terminal cancer, and I think it was kidney cancer, they didn't expect him to live long. And, you know, God worked in his life, evidently, and he, he beat this cancer. And, uh, you know, I, I think he was truly trying to do something aspirational and leave, leave a legacy for people to, to find something um, enjoyable in life. So, yeah, and he didn't was, benefit from this. No. Um, but it was something, it's very aspirational. There, there really is an element of this that kind of reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where when the world wants to come at you and say, well, you know, people will sue you, all this stuff can happen. And a lot of times we're held hostage by that in our culture. We're held hostage by what's really fake virtues and technicalities. And you get that unchained vinegar in the blood, which is just kind of being red-blooded, a little wild, not necessarily chaotic and sinful. But when Nebuchadnezzar tells you to bow down, you just tell him, you know what? Go ahead. No need to try the orchestra on me. No need to get your musicians called in here because here's the deal. You can play the music, but... 
We're not going to bow down. If our God desires to deliver us, he will. And if not, that's his decision. And you kind of get that same sentimentality with this guy who says, you know what? We're going to go treasure hunting. We're going to go out. We're going to enjoy the wilderness. This was in the Rocky Mountains. I think they finally figured out it was something like 8.2 miles north of somewhere in, was it Arizona, New Mexico? I think it said Santa Fe. New Mexico, I think, Santa Fe. Okay. So we kind of had a general idea of where it was at. And he was 79 when he hit it, so, you know, somewhere he could get to. But nonetheless, go out and have an adventure. You know, the world wants to tell you all of life is wrapped up on Twitter and inside. Tell it no. Just go out and have a great... You know, I think the adventure is is something that we're all called to. And, of course, Advent, um, the second coming of Christ, and then, of course, the, the... you know, we call it the Advent season, the coming of Christ and celebrate his birth. All of these things are extremely exciting and drawing into us. And so um, that same root of Advent is where we get the adventure. And, you know, I think it's extremely fascinating, especially when you look to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and there's the Copper Scroll, which is basically something very similar that says, we have uh, accumulated the gold to build the temple back. And it is hidden in all these places, and it gives you the clues, whether it be the, the double cave and under the stairs of a certain— of course, all of these things have, you know, you know, 2,000 years ago, they, they, they're all long gone, and, and, uh, but still there is that, that very attractive desire to go on an adventure. Sure. To find a great treasure. Sure. Mm-hmm. I just pulled up a picture of the site on Mount Ararat where they assert that Noah's Ark is. Mm-hmm. How interested would y'all be in something like that? When I was in college, I thought, you know, this could be a big discovery just because of how it affirms biblical stuff. Um, but moving beyond that, you know, just the adventure of going out and finding something like this is really interesting. What do y'all think about doing a treasure hunt for something like that? That would be cool. I I mean, I think we would all have to train for that and definitely be more prepared physically and also with our our resources. But um, yeah, I would I would definitely think that would be quite exciting to go go treasure hunting. Um, and I wonder with after this if other eccentric millionaires might not um try to do something similar. And you know, if somebody were to put something in the Smokies, I, I think I might I might try it. <laughs> yeah, you know when. We looked at, at the Holy Scriptures. There is something where you find God comes to people and he says, you know, get up. Go on this adventure. There's the adventure of holiness. When I preached the Gospel of Matthew, I really wanted to emphasize there is a constant call to adventure that you find Jesus himself giving us an example of, but also it's a theme that's found throughout the Old and New Testament. So I know we've gone just a few minutes past the designated time for these segments believe it or not there's actually an order to how we do this show and show notes and a show map and all that stuff but when when we look at the new testament i have come to really realize that excellence is is a product of holiness excellence and holiness go together and god really does care about aspirational adventures he cares about beauty about and not beauty in the sense of taping a banana to the wall, but truly aspirational, excellent things, you know, being a champion at track, making it to the state championships, um, reaching to the top of the the various things in life that you get into. What do y'all think about that? Just the general connection between holiness and excellence. Yeah. And I think though, what's interesting is, especially when we look in the Old Testament, when God calls people forward, he does give them a goal. Um, 
But that goal is often not what they thought. Their aspirations were very different, actually, than God's aspiration. I mean, God calls no or uh, Abraham, I'm sorry, and Sarah to be the the parents of a great and mighty nation, and yet they themselves never get to settle in that nation. Yeah. Um, he calls Moses to be the leader of Israel, and he never gets to settle. And just when the people think that they've settled in the promise, they've gotten the goal of their aspiration, uh, God flips it on its on their heads, kind of again, and says, "No, you've gotten it out of order. So now you get to go to exile." Yeah. Like it's very interesting. For as much as God does present these aspirations to us, they're never the ones we think we can achieve in our own power. And there is more to the aspiration of holiness, though all we do confess as a holiness tradition, and we can not only aspire to holiness, but be holy people, sure. uh, that that journey's never done. That there's this, and even in glorification, there is a, a an unlimited amount of time by which we continue to be changed glory oh, yeah, unto yeah. glory. Um, so, so yeah, there's aspirations, there's goals, but it's it's also about it is the adventure, um, and, and you know, and what I think also is really interesting about this particular story about Forrest Fenn is th- though there was a real treasure and someone did find a real physical box of gold uh, for thousands of people, the real treasure was simply the aspiration of it. Yeah, there really was light at the end of this tunnel, but there was also light everywhere with people who decided to go into the tunnel. Um, and it, it is a fascinating thing there. Yeah. Mike? I, you know, back to the, the holiness question and, and being aspiring for to be not only uh, holy, but also being uh, a, a person of excellence. You know, holiness is, is essential. It is God's nature, but for God's people, it is relational. In other words, there's nothing about us that is holy except our relationship to God and the things that God owns are holy, whether that be, you know, any any um, item um, such as the the uh, you know the things in the temple and and things of that nature but God's choice possession is his creation is his people and for us to aspire to be belong to God and give ourselves to God is and be a person of, of what we we base that excellence on being gods that is a tremendous uh, value in that and and just knowing that God the creator loves us enough and and that we are his choice creation that's just a it's very much a beauty yeah absolutely well we'll be back here in a moment to do a bible study looking at the gospel according to saint luke chapter 15 so bear with us and be back here in a second thank you for spending time with us here at Kingdom of the Logos. We really do enjoy your company. And we always appreciate it when people send us their thoughts, questions, and comments, whether in comments or any other way. You can post them right below there. And if you really do enjoy our program and you want more of our better than bad segments of the 700 Club, (laughs) one of the greatest things you can do to help us out is to just grab a link to our content and share it with your friends and family. Um, Even Here on Facebook, you can just click share below there and share that to your page. That will help us out tremendously. And if you want to help us out financially, you can do that at patreon.com. So that's Kingdom of the Logos. But again, we're here to just be a free supplemental thing to hopefully bring some joy, have some adventure in life. Again, our tagline is a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. 
But enough of those ads for our program. <laughs> Let's get to our Bible study. Because today, I want us to talk about the treasure of the prodigal son. You know, we looked at the treasure of Forrest Finn. We looked at the treasure of that alligator toy that that dog had, which is just great. Yes, the dancing. Um, the dancing dog. And I almost caught Amanda dancing over there. <laughs> um, but the dancing dog has a great treasure. When you look to the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son is given great treasures um, on multiple, multiple layers. There's so much built into the story. And just to give a quick recap of it, there is a, a father, and he has a son that comes to him and says, I want my inheritance early, and he kind of just takes off and leaves. He goes and he squanders. He spends his, his youth doing things that he ought not do, and he basically ruins everything that he would have inherited from his father. And after he's totally broken down, reduced really to his most animalistic state, he finally makes the decision to return home and come to his father really in this act of looking for forgiveness and he does this he runs home and he, his father sees him and his father gets really excited and his father wants to have this great celebration and i want us to look specifically today in luke 15:22 at the treasure of the ring and let me just read luke 15:22 and again this is when the father he sees the son he says you know we're going to have a great feast we're going to have all this great stuff and in Luke 15, 22, it says, But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, put it on him, and put a ring on his finger. You know, a ring. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. So that's what I want us to talk about today, the ring of the prodigal son, because this is truly a great treasure. And let's just start off by talking about what is this ring. I have always assumed this to be a signet ring, and I think... Is that fair that we kind of all understand this to be a signet ring? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't say that in the scriptures, but I, I think for that day and age in the ancient time and in the context of this story, I, I would understand that yeah. to be a signet it's, ring. It's, it's pretty well implied here that this is a signet ring, which means that this is the family ring. In other words, this is a symbol that's not just saying we want you to have nice things, but it's a symbol that says you're part of the family again. You're back in the family. You're one of us now. And we look at this ring, and it has this treasure that says you're brought back in. You're brought back from the dead. Really, this is a metaphor for being adopted into the family of God. But I want us to open up, and I'm just going to throw some proposition questions out there, and I'll let you respond to them. The first one I've got is, what was required for forgiveness by the Son? Any takers on coming into that conversation? <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is... Um, there is a moment of response. The prodigal son realizes what he's done. He kind of even has a speech built up in his mind about saying, you know, laying before his father and saying, I'm not even worthy to be considered one of your servants. Just give me some work. Um, I've sinned against you and against God. And what's interesting is, although that there is a, a responsibility, there is, I guess, a requirement put on the son to come and to respond or to ask for that forgiveness. Uh, the father doesn't care about the speech that he's built up in his no. head. It, it's it's this idea that forgiveness truly is freely given and freely extended. Yeah. Well, you know, I think for uh, the context of this uh, parable, and it is a parable, if we look back to really the creation story in Genesis, that we were created not only in the image of God, but we were given dominion over creation. And what does this say is, 
I, I believe is that the relationship with the Father is more important than the inheritance. And so by receiving forgiveness, it is about, you know, wash him, clean him up, kill the fatted calf, that the most important thing here is not about the the value of the inheritance or all these things, but it is the relationship of being part of this family yep. and and the celebration and all the interacting goes in. So, yes, forgiveness is required. And, you know, I think the son has to make that movement of acknowledging how important family is certainly and the power of forgiveness in this story lies with the father yes and one of the things that we we learn from this is that god loves forgiveness and one of the things that we also learn both from just living as as men and women creating the image of god if you've lived for a while you'll figure this out um, but also you find it throughout scripture you find it through how good and evil works Evil, the devil, Satan, the accuser, hates forgiveness, hates restoration, and hates reconciliation. The devil, the doctrines of demons, they always hate forgiveness. They like to accuse and they hate to forgive. But God, by contrast, positively affirms something in this story that the world cannot. He says, you know, the son, and I'm glad that you pointed this out, Amanda, this whole speech he makes, because a lot of times people come and they make all these eloquent speeches the father doesn't even really care. Just like God realizes no amount of speech that we make can purchase forgiveness for us. Um, but the father himself can purchase forgiveness for us. So the next question I want us to talk about is why is the brother angry? <laughs> so that's that's a fun one. I think it is. And especially if you have siblings, you can relate to the story, I think, on a, a, a different level than maybe those who don't have siblings or who haven't had kind of that close um growing up with somebody that you were very close with and you understand especially i i'm technically the middle child i'm a triplet but i, I always kind of growing up acted the oldest the most responsible and because of that i was given extra responsibilities uh to to, to kind of take care of of my other two siblings and there is a part of me that always felt bad for the uh the son in this story because he did do what was right he did he was the faithful one he was the one who worked hard who did all that was required of him and he's not the one that gets the big party and then that's what is also fascinating where then the father comes in and is like, you could have had a big party anytime you wanted. And although the story definitely is about forgiveness, I think it also speaks to, uh, Jesus may have been speaking to the Pharisees or those who consider themselves kind of the religious equivalent of the older brother. And he's like, no, all these blessings are already before you. You just haven't taken advantage of it. And so in some sense, both the prodigal son and the oldest son or the other uh, son, uh, have, in a sense, both squandered the great blessings the father has had for them. Yeah. Um, the, the, the prodigal son has done it very obviously, but the, the other son has done it by not responding to the blessings that were already at his fingertips. And so it is a reminder, and I think that's why he's angry, because he feels like he's missed out. And the father, instead of the father saying, yo, you're right, you missed out on this, um, or you should just be content with what you've done, he says, no, there are blessings for you, too. You just have to take advantage of it. Sure. Dad, if we compare the father's forgiveness here and the joy that he has in seeing his son return, if we compare that to God's joy in having us adopted in the family of God, what really do we learn 
from from all of that just pick up there well i think if we look at the story there is that that movement of the prodigal son and and we call it the prodigal son but the true prodigy i think may be the father in this in this story he is the one that you know offers forgiveness and and points to the greater value of family relationship and receiving the son back who is gone and now he's here and so this i mean this is a story that somewhat plays over and over again if you look to abraham the sacrifice of isaac if we look to, um, you, you know, Joseph uh, and his story where he's gone and the father receives him back in the great joy. And then, of course, Jesus um, and, and you know, the resurrection. This story is saying that relationship is not only more important than the monetary value of, of the, you know, the inheritance, but it's also greater than the celebration that even the older son is missing out here by, by not receiving the joy of the, the great value of family and uh, the somewhat resurrection, you might say, of the, the, the son that comes back. Yeah, there's a reality here that is very encompassing. Earlier we were talking about the treasure of Forest Finn, how there was a real monetarily valuable treasure. It had some relics. It had some ancient Chinese jade in it. It had a lot of really cool stuff in it. There was a real treasure there at the end, but there's also real treasure in going outside. And you really can't separate the two because the truth of this is the adventure that you're embarking on is a valuable adventure all the way around. Hmm. Anytime you start choosing one piece of value and having that cut off from the others, it kind of all starts to break apart. You look here with the prodigal son, having that ring that says you're adopted back into the family, you've been restored, you've been reconciled, that's very important. That's a very important detail in this. You can't just eradicate it. Yes, it's a piece of jewelry, but the deeper meaning is valuable. The value in the jewelry is valuable. It's an all-encompassing way of life, and I'm using that terminology deliberately. It's a way of life that is fulfilling on multiple layers and in multiple areas, and it just has layers and layers of, of value in it. And, and you know, there's so much grace here. According to the you know the the Levitical law, for a son who does something like this, you know, the the consequence was was tremendous. It was stoning. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I heard. Uh, a um, I believe it was Dr. Steve Hoskins preached a sermon one time, and he said, you know, as the whole town's gathering and watching, and as the they seem from afar, and, and they're coming, and, you know, you, it, all of a sudden the father is running out to meet this this son, and you can hear the stones dropping out of people's hands as they are there getting ready to stone him. And so this, again, it's this same understanding that, hey, let's interpret the law through Jesus, that it's not about you know, being angry and killed, but it's about forgiveness and family and relationship. And, you know, yeah. Jesus really fulfills the law and prophets in, in saying, you know, here's a place of love, grace, reconciliation, and sure. really resurrection. Absolutely. Uh, Amanda? Well, and I think also in, in this, the reconciliation, we've talked about the ring, meaning he was now part of the family. The other gifts that the father gives on him or bestows upon the prodigal son also kind of reveal to, I mean, the fact that he gets a robe, means he's not going to be just another worker like he's yeah. asked he has sand on his feet the only people who generally went barefooted in that day were slaves and so the the father is is adopting him into the family but not as like a second class citizen or someone on probation there's just grace and grace freely and abundantly given um that he is restored as a proper 
and complete son of the father. And so there, there's just this, there's this magnitude. And like you're saying, or Pastor Mike was saying, like the rest of the community, not only are they expecting punishment, they're expecting death. Yeah. And all of a sudden the burden of proof, I guess, or, or the burden of, of justice is not put on the son, yeah. but the father picks all that up. Absolutely. And says, this is instead of judgment, well, actually there's still judgment happening, but I will judge grace instead of yeah. instead of condemnation. Absolutely. And if that is how God the Father has modeled justice for us, then that's how we should are enact in our own life. Of course, Matthew eleven thirty says, For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's not because forgiveness is cheap or that grace is cheap. It's because it was purchased for you by somebody who purchased something you couldn't. You know, the prodigal son, when he is still deep within his sin, he cannot purchase a better life for himself. It takes his father to get that for him. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Any, we'll get to our final thoughts. And um, Mike, do you want to go first? I think you have a final thought related to this story. I do. I, you know, I, I was... I read a commentary one time that said, you know, the the one of the key characters in this whole story, if we often overlook, and that's fatted calf. The fatted calf made the sacrifice for this, uh, and and understand that when Jesus is telling this parable, it's during a sacrificial system that very much intact, yeah. and so he becomes the the sacrifice for us to come into that right relationship back with the Father. So it, I, I think to to even understand that. You know, the father made a sacrifice, kill the fatted calf, uh, best we got, you know, bring it on. We, There is somewhat of a celebration when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and it's not just the celebration that's valuable. It's not the inheritance, but it is that relationship um, that we find coming back into the household of God. Yep. Um, any other final thought aside from that? Predictions on the world before we go to Amanda? No. Okay. <laughs> Amanda, your final thoughts? Predictions, uh, oh, predictions. Oh, predictions. Okay. Any, anything. Any anything. Final well, I had a, a final thought on the story of the prodigal son. It always bothered. Okay, so like traditionally, um, the oldest got a double portion because he was expected to take care of the rest of the family that was left behind when the father died. And then everyone else got it divvied up. So if there's only two sons, one person gets two thirds, one person gets a third. And I always wondered, like, when the father did die, did they divvy it up again, or did the son completely lose out on his inheritance? Was that it? Is he continually mm, at the mercy yeah, of his brother? Talk, yeah. I don't know. Just a, I'm just curious. And again, it was a parable, not a real story, or like it didn't actually happen, so who knows? But if we were to take it that far. Also, a prediction, um, because of everyone being at home and stuck at home more often, I think we're going to see an uptick in third places. I think we already see that in people really wanting to go back to the movie theaters. Yep. Like, there is a huge drive. I... Am dubious about how the church though will I don't think we're going to see a big comeback to the church but I do think people do want a place like the church they want a sanctuary they want a third place and hopefully the church can we can all get her and I'll say we I'm not going to put this on anyone else I'll say me um, hopefully I can um, get my head on uh, right enough to respond uh, faithfully uh, to that desire oh I totally agree with your assessment that says people are going to be hungry for third places like movie theaters even bars but I don't think we're going to have people run back to the church like they did after 9-11 and why because the church abdicated our spirit to things like the government our, our role in being leaders the the church of St. Francis of Rome who when her family died out of the plague she turns her house into a hospital you see the church building hospitals that spirit of the church is not that imagination is not found in modern Christianity, and that's wretched. 
-hmm. that aspirational spirit that says we're going to be leaders, we're going to be building the hospitals. Right now, we're at the mentality where our leaders say, well, let's wait around and listen for the next report. And um, yeah, I don't think people will be coming back like we hope they would. Um, but we can do better than that as, yes. as pastors. As pastors, we can rise above that situation and we say, no, we are here to shine the light of the gospel. You want an alternative to the world? Come here and we'll give it to you. Um, well, I'm going to make a prediction then. I'm going <laughs> to okay. predict that the church is going to grow because there are going to be those who rise to the occasion. And it's not going to be from that that uh, area of many churches that you've always thought might be that those who have been riding the fence and stuff, it's going to be those who stand for truth, uh, beauty, righteousness, and justice. Yeah. And, and, and and I think it has to come from Christ Jesus and Jesus alone, not from some government or some ideology. And we're going. I'm, I'm going to make the prediction that it is going to grow and flourish, but it might come from uh, a different place than you're thinking. I think it'll come grassroots up from yes. situations where you've seen that rather than a macro culture down. Is that uh, fair? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We Yeah. Okay, so my final thought, um, training dogs is fun. <laughs> Um, not all dog trainings go like this. <laughs> and there's your dog dancing. Yeah, that's great. My dog, Count, has a alligator toy. And I've been trying to chain him to do some things. And it's been a rocky road. <laughs> I'll say that. Training dogs is, is fun. And he's about five or six now. But it can be done. You can train dogs. Um, he's a very smart dog. But, yeah, training dogs is fun. Um, so... And it's fun for the dog, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the dog enjoys it. A challenge, but he enjoys it. Yeah. As you're saying that, the dog is playing um, with his, his alligator because that's just a good video. So we hope you've enjoyed our time with you today. Um, Pastor Mike, Amanda opens us up. Would you close us out in prayer? Be honored to. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity to really look to your scriptures and especially the prodigal son. And Lord, I pray that everyone understands that the real treasure in this world is belonging to you and and uh, giving ourselves a way that we may find you and the, the, uh, the treasures that you hold for us in the relationship. Lord, I just pray for each and every person out there is viewing whatever trials and uh, things they're experiencing, the anxieties in this world with all the uh, unrest, Lord, that they'll find a peace and hope that, that comes from you. Uh, pray, Heavenly Father, that you watch over and protect those and uh, give us strength, give us wisdom, give us courage. We find that all in you. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And as we listen to those sounds of the flute, and I can only imagine if you are listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, you have no idea why there's just random flute playing. It's because of this dog with his alligator. <laughs> um, and so on that lovely note, true, true aspirations there. God love you, and have a blessed day. Thank you for spending time with us.